It's time for the round of eight. The Montana Mint Sports Podcast is back because the Cats and the Grizz knocked off their round of 16 opponents. We are going to the quarterfinals for the second year in a row, both the Cats and the Grizz. Moving on, it's a great time to have a Cat-Grizz podcast when they're just dominating their opponents like they did last weekend. I'm here with Bear Tycoon. We're going to get right into it. The game that I called, it was the easiest call I've ever had. Yeah, congratulations. Montana, Eastern Washington. Initial thoughts, Bear Tycoon, on this big victory for the Grizz. Well, I have a lot of thoughts. So uh, why don't I start out saying... um, We just want your initial one, though. Just your initial thought. Thrilled. Period. Thrilled Thrilled by the outcome. Um, I went, so hand up, going into the game, I had told myself, I had told some of the Grizz fan pod guys, like, look, if the Grizz lose this game, I'm still up on the Grizz on the season as a whole. Like, I'm happy enough where this goes, where even if we lose, the the season is a net positive, in my opinion. Um, I did not realize how good it was going to feel to um, take it to Eastern like the Grizz did in that second half. We can get into the specifics, kind of the ebbs and flows of the game, uh, but it was it, it, it was one of the most exciting games I've ever seen. It was one of, if not the the game with the where punters, the punting squads had the biggest impact on both sides of the ball. Like it was, it was just such a strange game. Uh, but yeah, man, it was awesome. It was awesome. The stadium seemed to be rocking. What were your thoughts from the game? Not surprised. That's my initial yeah. thoughts. I said it on you last predicted. week's podcast. I called this one. This one was so easy. You could see it from three miles away. Eastern Washington, a shell of themselves from the first time they played the Grizz. The Grizz, a much better team yeah. uh, than they were the first time these two played early in the season. Uh they kind of switched as the year kept going. One's trajectory climbed. The other one kind of seemed to drop. Two straight losses for Eastern. Put them in a little funk, it seemed like. They got rid of their offensive coordinator. They still put up some points against some bad teams. But you could just kind of tell going into this game, I thought the Grizz had all the momentum coming off a bye, coming off the Cat-Grizz win. I didn't think there was any way the Grizz were going to lose this game on their home soil after getting beat by Eastern Washington earlier in the year. And my prediction once again yeah. was spot on. Yeah. Well, not spot on. You predicted a 14 point Grizz victory. It was a 16 point Grizz victory, but close. And you can, close you can enough. give it up, man. It's uh the, the reverse jinx um, didn't work. Oh, that wasn't you, a reverse jinx. It was the easiest call I've ever made in a game. You, predict, you, you tried uh, to reverse jinx. It didn't work, but the game's already over. So you can't change the outcome by going back to this take, by not going back to it by trying to reverse it, by trying to change your motivation behind it. Uh, final score, Grizz 57, Eastern 41. Um, should we get into kind of the uh, – it was just such a crazy game. There's a lot to, a lot to talk about. Should we kind of get into the ebbs and flows of this from from my Grizz fan perspective? Yeah, I mean, 90, 98, 98 points later, it was definitely a lot to pack into one game. <laughs> yes. Um, one stat that stands out, uh, Eric Berrier threw 80 passes in one game. He had 80 pass attempts. Insane. Um, but so the game started to be falling off. 
Yes, and he got he got banged up throughout the game. He I think we only had two sacks on him, but he he was on the turf. He he was uh, escaping tackles the entire game, and I think that uh, he's probably not feeling too great even Tuesday afterwards. Um, but going into the game, like obviously very. I, I was worried about about this game, and I said, you know, it, to myself, and we've talked about it before. You hold Barrier to under 250 yards, that's the recipe for winning. So the fact that he threw for 530 yards, Grizz won, just shows how weird this was. But Grizz started out strong. Eastern got the kickoff. Grizz held them. I don't think it was a three and out, but it was four or five plays. Punt the ball to the Grizz. The Grizz score almost immediately on that uh, that yeah. outside run to Malik Flowers. Um, it would be a theme all game where uh, the offense for the Grizz at times looks sputtering, um, uh, but that outside run seemed to be there the entire game. Um, so being up 7 nothing, that stop 7 nothing is like, all right, we got some juice almost immediately afterwards. Eastern answers on a very quick drive, three passes, 75 yards. As part of that, there's a bomb to Limo Jones. Um, and this was first of many balls that we saw Eric Berrier throw where they were like so high that they left the screen for a weird amount of time. And as a Grizz fan, you just <laughs> didn't know when it was going to come down, where it was going to come down, if the receivers were going to uh, go. But it, he hit Limo Jones for a, a, a big pass there. Um, and it's like, all right, 7-7, seven, seven, we're rolling. When, this, when, the tie, when the score is tied, what are you thinking as a Cats fan? Take off your reverse jinxing cap. And what, what are you actually thinking for the outcome of the game? Well, I saw when the Grizz scored in their first three plays, it reminded me of the cat Grizz game. Yeah. Someone over there on the, on the Grizz sideline is uh, doing a fantastic job of scheming their first drives. I think yes. their first two drives in the last two games have been five plays, 165 yards and 14 points. So someone there is scripting the almost perfect opening drive for the Grizz. Yeah. So that was amazing to see again. That was interesting. Uh, when Easter comes back, you're like, okay, they're not going to go the way of the Cats, which got down, you know, that early seven seemed to deflate them. Eastern scores points. Eastern gets that game, gets the game tied 7-7. I'm thinking, okay, Eastern didn't get punch in the face, fall down, look like shit the rest of the game like the Cats did, or their offense anyway. Easter yeah. came out, answered in three plays, here we go. This is going to be a classic Eastern Grizz game. Yeah. So feeling very, very happy after the first couple possessions. Tie game. I'm getting a little iffy. The two teams then trade touchdowns for field goals. Eastern gets up uh, 21-13. Eastern scores, though, on uh, uh, a bomb to uh, Jacoby James and a, a very long touchdown by Doug Merritt. Um, and another theme Dennis of this game Merritt. is like, Dennis Merritt. Dennis D. Merritt. Merritt. Wrong D. Yeah. Dennis Merritt. Um, another theme of this game is like players we've been talking about all year were involved. Like Sammy Kim had a big game. Limo Jones had a big game. Uh, Merritt, one of the one of the various D Merritts on the team had a big game. Um, but so two big plays, two touchdowns, 21-13. And it, all of a sudden it's like, oh man, is the Grizz offense up to the task? Are, are we going to be able to come back from this? Like we're kicking field goals. Money Macias is nailing. Uh, he had a 44 yarder um, in, in the, in the second quarter, 46 yarder in the third quarter, but it just a little, some nerves set in when the Grizz are down 21, 13, are you feeling pretty good that this may be, maybe it for Montana? 21, 10 feeling really good. 21, 13. 
Again, another insanely short field, which we'll go over a little bit later when we go through some of these yeah. scoring drives. Messias gets it, 21-13. Okay, they got it within eight, but, the, but you know, Eastern's getting the ball back. And I was thinking they were rolling right now. They were going to score. was not to be. The Grizz get that touchdown with 8.37 left in the half. Well, you skipped over a very important part. So Eastern gets the ball back. True, I did. Right? And and what the highlights have been the, the they blocked Eastern's punt, gave them a very, very short field um, for the Grizz to get that touchdown. But before that punt, it was fourth and one. And Eastern was going for it, and they had a false start. Knocked it back to fourth and six. They have to punt it. The Grizz block that punt. Get the ball. I I forget exactly. Seventeen where it was. yard they, line. Yeah. Yeah. Seventeen, 17 yard, yard line. line. Um, it was. I mean that that so give give the crowd an assist on that one because getting that false start um, led to them even punting the ball, which led to a block punt, which led to a touchdown, which led to the game being twenty one twenty Eastern. But yeah, that was a huge huge momentum shift. Yeah, that was massive, and it was uh, you know. It wasn't right before the half. There was still 8.37 left in the half. But uh, to get it to 21-20 to 20 and then both teams to shut each other down, uh, that momentum was all on the Grizz side, though, after that block punt and after you could see how their special teams was going to be playing uh, on Friday night. 21-20 at halftime. You had to feel really good as a Grizz fan to go into the half only down one point with uh, that high-flying offense of uh, Eastern scoring three touchdowns, some pretty explosive plays. But you're right, that block punt – was so massive when you only have to go four plays, 17 yards, Bergen gets that five yard touchdown run to get it to within a one point game. Uh, you're feeling pretty good about how that special teams is flying around. And when the Grizz have a short field, the Grizz are going to be able to score. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things um, that, you know, really stood out in that, in the first early part of the game is Grizz were getting a lot of pressure on Barrier. Um, and Cam was sailing balls over, over uh, players' heads at an uncomfortable rate. Um, I'm just not comfortable with any <laughs> passing game. That's not, not perfect. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat, but it come, it'll come into play towards the end of the game. When uh, multiple times, uh, myself, the, the guys that I was watching the game with were screaming for the Grizz to run the ball when cam was dropping that back to pass. And then he would hit an awesome pass. So I had little confidence in him kind of in the early parts of the game. And he proved me wrong throughout the game um, because he had some big, big plays towards the end. Yeah, nope. I would be nervous if I had... Well, actually, I would enjoy it because uh, he actually has the arm to overthrow some people, unlike uh, yeah. Montana State's former quarterback. <laughs> um, so, second half, uh, you know, it's uh, a few a few things stood out. One, our boy Luke Alford made it on TV. Um, the, I don't know if you caught that. I'll send, I made a gif of it. Um, I did not see that. Yeah, I will send that to you right now. But on the Xavier Harris touchdown, Luke got on TV. Um, uh, uh, what I – oh, the, the other play I wanted to mention was um, – all right, starting in the second half, it just seemed like um, Eric Berrier was missing a lot of receivers. I don't know if you noticed that. It seemed early on we were getting a lot of pressure on him, but he was still making plays. As the game went on and on and on, I don't know enough about – football um, to say if this was Barrier missing his receivers, if his receivers were, you know, like running the wrong routes, I mean, but Lebo some, Jones, didn't he have a massive drop that would have massive really drop. changed? The, there was a couple that uh, were he momentum dropped, in the game. Yeah. yeah. Where, yeah, there's a couple long touchdowns where he, he really screwed the pooch. Um, one other bizarre moment I wanted to 
mentioned from uh, the game. Uh, it was uh, so Eastern fumbled the ball. It looked like the Grizz were going to scoop it up, um, but Eastern lands on it. It's fourth, or it, it, and it looks like they've got the first down. Um, the ball advanced far enough for a first down. The the rest take the chains out, confirm that it's the first down. The ESPN announcers say first down. I went back and listened to it. Um, the refs then rejigger the chains and say <laughs> that it's fourth and short. And then there's another false start and it's fourth and six. So it just, uh, uh, I mean, that and, the, and the, the false start on the fourth down that led to the blocked punt too. I mean, just huge penalty, only 10 yards and penalties. Um, but huge, huge, huge momentum shifts. Yeah, and you can't do that uh, at at Washington Grizzly, especially when the Grizz are coming yeah. out and their special teams and their defense are flying around. Any chance you get to keep the Grizz, uh, you know, any chance that you get to extend drives and not be punting from, you know, your 20, because when you're punting into the Grizz nowadays, it feels like the Grizz are just going to return it back to almost the line of scrimmage where you punted from anyway. Yeah. So when you have those fourth and shorts and you can extend that and not have the Grizz special teams come out on the field, you have to take advantage of that. You have to you know, keep those drives going and at least score a touchdown or a field goal because yeah. punting to the Grizz, we have seen now, has been deadly the last two weeks for Grizz opponents. Yes, not what you want to be doing. Um, another big play from the game. So turnovers, I think officially turnovers um, on the game. It was uh, the Grizz had – the Grizz – the Eastern turned it over twice for the, to zero for the Grizz, but uh, there's one roughing the the punter call, kind of a shaky call um, that turned, you know, fourth down punting to the Grizz, gave it a first down to Eastern. So I think you can count that as a turnover for the Grizz. Um, also, I mean, the refs were all over the map. Um, it was those, you know, those targeting calls were insane. Those targeting calls, real. I mean, back the to targeting back calls kind of targeting changed calls. the momentum of the game. I mean, this was all in the in the in the first half. Um, but those those two targeting calls, those long pauses when they when they announced that the players were not being ejected, getting those like two like amped moments in Washington Grizzly Stadium. Uh, it's it's tough to quantify like what what that means, but watching it watching it again today, it really seems uh, like those were two turning points. Like they, they, those and two the very, moments, yeah, changed the momentum of the, of the game. Very weird ones too, where they didn't call the first one. I honestly can't remember the player that that one was on. Uh, the last name, the first one doesn't get called targeting on the field. They go back review it. Looks borderline targeting. That one. Could have gone either way. The, the announcers thought that that was going to be targeting. They come out. They say, nope, no targeting, no penalty. Everything's good to go. The next play, I think it was honestly the very next play. It seemed uh, like Merritt yeah. or someone is coming up the middle. Robbie Houck lays the wood. And uh, actually one of Robbie's tackles that he made that wasn't a cheap shot uh, or wasn't <laughs> you know him piling on the afterwards uh, made a really good, nice tackle. Then they throw the flag, which was obviously not targeting. They throw the flag and have to review that one and then come back out and say, again, it's not targeting. They were just trying to, I think at that point, err on the side of caution of throwing that flag and then getting to review it because the first one kind of took a bad turn. But uh, yeah, those two targeting thing, I mean, that got the crowd going. When those two players get to stay in the game, when they're looking at their yeah. playoff lives uh, ending, uh, you know, you can't, you, you don't know if the Grizz are going to win that game. If you're those two players, you think this might be our, my last game of the season and yeah. I might be getting thrown out. And then to keep playing, it has to give you some extra energy, some uh, extra perspective on 
how big that game is. And so I think that was those were a huge turning point. Those refs kind of lost control there on not knowing what the hell was going on. They saw a big hit, called it targeting because the one before they didn't call targeting, and it probably was if you're looking at it in the in the rule book. So yeah, so, so I, yeah, so I don't know the in that situation. Yeah, the first one, Gavin Rob Robertson was the first one. Robbie Howe was the second one. Um, I mean, both of them were very close, and uh, you know, I don't know what kind of the the bar is that they is it indisputable evidence to overturn. I mean, there was enough for them to throw the flag, to take a look. Um, but it, you know, they didn't, they didn't get ejected. Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was just, uh, incredible. I mean, it was, especially with, with Robbie, how just the importance of him on the defense that early in the game, waiting for that announcement to come was so nerve wracking as a Grizz fan. Um, it, 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 I mean, yeah. it was almost like a little game show within the game itself. Like the other nice thing about it is as watching, um, with a few guys that don't follow the, the big sky as closely as we do. Um, and it was able to give them the little factoid of case Cookus being thrown out of the game for targeting on a, after an interception that he threw one of my favorite facts. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was just wild, wild, wild overall. Yeah, no, it was, that, that was a wild, very wild sequence for sure. So it, it really felt like following the game, it it felt like the Grizz kicked their ass. When you go back and look at the TikTok of the game, um, you know, it, they were down, The Montana was down for much of it. Um, they were down at halftime. They, you know, the game was close throughout. And then the third quarter, they kind of blew things open. Um, in his game recap on Egris, Brent Wahlberg made the point that uh, – Eastern Washington scored 21 points in the first 16 minutes of the game of clock time in the game. Those two targeting calls happen. And after that, they score 21 points over the next 34 minutes. So, I mean, something happened with Eastern right around those times of the targeting call, if they're the reason or not, um, that it just, uh, you know, momentum completely swung from the Grizz. I was, when we were trading touchdowns for field goals, I, it, it just had a, a very uneasy feeling um, but when those two things yeah. happen, the block punt, the quick touchdown, it's like, all right, we are rolling. We are in this. And they came back in the second half and just dominated. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the scoring drives by the Grizz, and this is the second game in a row for them that, again, their field position and their special teams really won the game for them. Yeah. Uh, the Grizz, the first play we went over, is a three-play 90-yard drive, 75-yard run by Malik Flowers. Kind of the same as that Junior Bergen pass play in the, at the very beginning of Cat Grizz. First drive getting on the board like that. Uh, then their next uh, field goal drive is eight plays, 52 yards. So that makes sense. You know, that's a kind of a normal drive, I guess, by football standards. Punt, get the ball back, go eight, go eight plays, get the field goal. But then their next one is seven plays. It's a field goal by Messias. Seven plays, 37 yards. And then four plays, 17 yards. So that's 10 points on about 54 yards of total offense, yep. which is pretty good, I, I'm thinking, uh, if you're looking at the analytics of it all. Uh, <laughs> they get the ball, uh, you know, in, in the second half, they go five plays, 23 yards for a 46-yard field goal. They go one play, eight yards for a touchdown. So again, now six plays, 31 yards for 10 points. Pretty good right there. Uh, Akem does get a 44-yard pass from Humphrey to go three yeah. plays, 60 yards. But then the next Grizz TD is three plays, five yards. So another 65 yards on six plays and 14 points. Just insane what their field position was doing for this team. 
Uh, Akem gets a 30-yard pass in the fourth quarter, five plays, 52 yards, and then the Grizz ended on a Justin Ford uh, interception return yep. uh, for a touchdown. So, I mean, this this Grizz offense, the last two games, has really not had to do much to win these games. Like, in the sense, they, oh, they've been on. able to score. Oh, they haven't. They, they scored have not 57 done much. points. They did. Yeah. Yeah, but look at where their special teams was putting them. When you have, sure. when you have, there was, I think it was 100 yards for about 24 points there, which is insane. Yeah. 100 yeah. yards and scoring 24 points. Cam Humphrey was 11 of 23. We'll get to Tommy Mallott when we look at the Bobcat game. Cam Humphrey only, I think, completed a couple more passes than Tommy Mallott did, but also had three touchdowns because he was in the red zone every time he started the drive. So it's just the same as the Cats game. They only scored one touchdown on the Cats. Everything else was right off of special teams. The field goals were on short fields. The touchdown return on the uh, right. on the blocked field goal. I mean, this game had the same feeling where that Grizz special teams was flipping the field so much for that offense, who's really not that great of an offense. It's in, it's just unbelievable how much the special teams sure, has helped the Grizz you, in the last two weeks. Your point that the Grizz didn't have to do that much because their special teams was so dominant. The special teams is part of the Montana Grizzly football team. And so, yeah, oh, I know. I'm offense, saying their offense. I yeah. Your offense, your offense benefits from a good special teams. Your offense benefits well, yeah. from a good defense. It's the that's same thing. I'm, so the Grizz that's why I'm giving the props to special team. teams. Yeah. Grizz complete football team had a very Not good quite. game. Their defense and their special points. teams are great. 368 defense yards. Special teams just on fantastic. offense. Um, it was, uh, so two other plays, Point out, uh, we mentioned uh, the Sammy Akem touchdown. Uh, that was such a weird one to watch on TV. Um, I don't know if it's the same in the stadium, but on TV, he catches the ball. It, this is his first touchdown. He catches the ball, and around the 25-yard line, it looks like he's going to get tackled. And the Eastern players just, like, chase him to the end zone. But the whole time, it looks like he should be getting tackled. It's like when you're playing Madden, and, like, the person doesn't know what the button for tackle is. It was just... It, it was like slow. It was it was so slow developing, seemingly, and maybe it's the camera angle, but something about it just seemed off. Um, the very next possession after that Sammy Kemp touchdown, that's when uh, Barrier had his uh, Reggie Bush moment and tried to uh, pitch oh, the yeah. ball, pitch the ball to nobody. Um, uh, repump, and there's the nice uh, fumble return uh, by the Grizz. But um, you know you, the pick six at the end that Justin Ford like. Eastern scrambling, they got to get a million points in the last few minutes. That's one thing, but that, uh, oof, that that bad pitch yeah, that by Barrier, that is you do not yeah, want to see. Horrible. That. Guess where? Guess what happened? It set the Grizz up with a three-play, five-yard touchdown drive. So <laughs> yeah, that Grizz offense, quite the machine there within the five-yard line. Uh, yeah, to get okay. That touchdown, but yeah, that was fifty-seven really points. No, I can't even remember what that backup yards. running back was that Bush tried to lateral it to. Who was that? I don't know. Their backup I'm, running back at USC that year. Oh man, he went to the pros. I think he played for the oh, Titans. Damn, Lendale White. Yes, yes. Right. Thank you for that. That would have bugged me. I think so. Yep, that would have bugged me all night. So yeah, the one thing I do want to sh- uh, point out is the the Eagles scored with five seconds left in the game to make it forty-one fifty-seven. My prediction would have been exact had the Eagles gotten the two-point conversion <laughs> yes. to end that game. Uh, so I blame. I blame Barry Arie on his last pass as an Eagle for not making my prediction 100% true. It was only 98% true. Yeah. The, uh, the last thing, we've talked about this for a while, and I feel like it's just a lot of me exclaiming about how excited I am. Um, this, uh, once, I mean, the stats, if you just looked at the box score, it seems so one-sided favoring Eastern Washington. And I guess this 
kind of helps prove your point on on the offense. But thirty two first downs to thirteen Eastern over UM. Yeah. Like well, well you can't I, get I, any first downs when you start your drive within the ten. <laughs> I was trying to see if there's a way to like sort first down discrepancies by game. This has to be one of the biggest discrepancies <laughs> yeah, for a team the, that won. <laughs> the Grizz were two of twelve on third down, and they won this game by sixteen points and put up fifty-seven points. It makes absolutely yeah. zero sense if you look at this box score. You would think that there was a typo on ESPN because they don't yeah. care about FCS football. You'd think that they just put some intern out there, made up stats because he's like nobody's going to read this box score because it, it doesn't. It makes zero sense. Six hundred and eight um, yards for Grizz Eastern. Six hundred eight yards for Eastern. Three sixty-eight for the Grizz. Barry A. Uh, 535 touchdowns, Humphrey 163 touchdowns. Well, that'd be a lot of touchdowns. Um, I mean, he dominated. I bet the over on the game just has like a little emotional hedge. I thought that if there's a lot of points that um, it probably meant that Eastern was, was going to win. So it was uh, uh, the fact that they scored so much, had so many yardage, uh, had so much yardage. Uh, I mean, it just kind of shows who the Grizz are. So, Talk yeah, about you that know, a the lot. thing is, I I did what I I did what I needed to do on this game to make myself happy as well. Is I put money on the Grizz to win this game straight up at minus one sixty five, so that if the Grizz won, I would win money. If the Grizz lost, I basically just paid for the Grizz to lose, and I was okay with that. Yeah. So I did oh, it. Man. I won. It put money in my pocket. Uh, the Grizz apparently uh, have returned to dominance, is what people are saying, because of mm-hmm. a uh, a round of sixteen win. Uh, so apparently the RTD hashtag has finally come to fruition with this win over Eastern Washington this weekend at home in the round of 16. So congratulations. I want to be the Thank first you. to congratulate the Montana Grizzlies for returning to dominance. Uh, yeah. Nothing says dominance like winning that round of 16 game uh, and being in the exact same place that you were last year. Yeah, well, appreciate that. On behalf of Grizz Nation, I accept your congratulations. It's a combination native of that win, that big dominating win against a a rival in Eastern Washington uh, that followed another big win over a rival Montana State. Equal rivals, probably, Eastern Montana State um, from most Grizz fans' eyes. So excited about that. But let's move on to Montana State, UT Martin. And if you don't mind me me taking off um, to start here, I just want to give you a shout-out, finding the quarterback of the future. future. Touchdown, Tommy Malott. Eight completions, 51 yards, a victory for the Cats. Um, it's exciting to see such stellar quarterback play. Um, but why don't you talk us through kind of kind of this game? Less exciting. Still a win. And, well, I think and first off, we need win, to – But we need to go – first off, I think we need to go back to what happened before the game. I called it on the podcast last yes. week. Yes. Oh, be yeah. McKay's, Cat Grizz. Cat Grizz was going to be Matt McKay's so last ago. game as quarterback of Montana State. The yep. next day, like maybe 20 minutes after we post the podcast uh, to Spotify and to everywhere that you listen to it, Matt McKay enters the transfer portal Yes, in the middle of a playoff run after getting benched for a touchdown Tommy Malott after Cat Grizz. I could not have been more spot on. I was just as surprised as anybody that he left the team. I didn't think he would be starting. I called that Tommy Malott was going to be the starter this week. Uh, I just knew it. Uh, I had... You know, just this incredible mission, and it came true. Yeah, incredible sources. Uh, you know, believing that Tommy got the nod right the day after Cat Grizz, they knew they were going to have two weeks to put in an offense for Tommy. I have to think that they probably uh, reached out to Tommy's past head coaches. 
and saw what made him most comfortable and be a, a the Gatorade Player of the Year when he was at Butte. Yeah, uh, and you know it was it the. So then Matt McKay leaves, and it's whatever. He was getting benched. He played like shit the last half of the year. He had zero, uh, zero confidence. It was just very surprising the way he did that in the, in, on a Wednesday or Thursday before the game. He knew he wasn't starting for a week and a half before that, but then chooses that time to enter the transfer portal and announce it. You have to think there were some ulterior, ulterior motives there uh, and some bad blood towards Montana State uh, over sure. the way his season ended. Oh, you think? But it all it all lies on him, and I have no idea what team is going to take a flyer on Matt McKay besides a Division two uh, or Division three team because Matt McKay is not a Division one quarterback by any sense of the position. Man, and it's kind of good that, at this point. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because I agree with everything you say. Like he he faltered for the last like fifty percent, sixty percent of the season. He didn't look good. Um, what if that timeline that you just laid out is accurate where, you know, he knew he wasn't starting. He did this to kind of be a, as a nephew to the cats, like that just shows not great um, uh, character, I would say. Um, But the way that we've talked about quarterbacks in the big sky conference and like, you know, how far away say like Weber state is at a talented quarterback. And you, there's a few schools where there's just bad, bad, bad quarterback play. Does someone like Matt McKay make sense? It'll be Jerry. Put this in the the hopper for an off season episode. Which Big Sky school um, is most likely to pick up Matt McKay? I think odds are none, but there has to be some schools yeah. looking around. Like, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't see. I'm I'm thinking through the Big Sky roster of quarterbacks, and I can honestly not think of one program that would not want to go with someone they have already on their roster over Matt yeah. McKay. After seeing him play, after seeing what defenses were able to do then when you got out of the Cal Poly San Diego's. I mean, he may be a pioneer league or a right. pioneer conference right. quarterback. Like, if he goes to San Diego, that probably couldn't have gotten any worse than the quarterback they had. If he goes to Drake, probably an upgraded quarterback. Yeah. I don't see He's got great guy that would keep him here. He has great game tape against teams with no scholarship, so that might be what he wants yes, to yes. target. That's that's where you want to go. You want to go to Drake. You want to go to one of those schools because it was just a bad. So anyway, he's gone. He's not a part of the team anymore. This is about the team that the Cats are putting on the field. And touchdown Tommy comes out, gets a dub in his first college start. Uh, You know, the thing about this, though, for a Cat fan is it's all too familiar. This is the offense that we've had for, what, four years now? Yes. This is the quarterback we've been putting back there. We thought we had... Something new in McKay at the beginning of the year when we were playing those weaker teams turned out not to be that way. So Tommy Mallott comes in. It's it's you know if you if you was any other team probably in the country, maybe save for Idaho, um, you put a guy in that hasn't thrown has only thrown four college passes in the playoffs. You're thinking that your team is done. You are absolutely sick to your stomach when McKay enters the portal, but not Cats fans. Cats okay. fans are used to this. Yes, Chris Murray. Are used Troy to running Anderson. first. Chris Murray, yeah. Troy Anderson. Now this. When we had Rovig, it was a weird like Rovig and McKay were weird to watch for Cats fans because they're like, when are they going to tuck it and run? Like, oh, yeah. Travis Johnson. When Travis Johnson would take ball, would take the Wildcat snaps. Like, this is Montana State football now. As a quarterback who can't throw or doesn't have the experience to throw yet and is running, but you have to give him a lot of credit. True freshman. Yes, eight for twenty for fifty-one yards. He completed three less passes than Cam Humphrey. Um, but runs for 180 yards, including the Montana State record longest rush in the playoffs. 
a 75-yarder, uh, 73-yarder in the fourth quarter to put this game yeah. out of reach. Very that cool was, to see touchdown Tommy do that. He is that game a was too, athlete. Yeah, that game yeah. was too close before that touchdown. We can get into it, but holy moly. Well, 0-0 after the first quarter, a little bit scary. A oh. little bit scary after that first yeah. quarter. Uh, Malat does get that, that one-yard run in the second quarter to go up seven. Then they get a field goal. They're up 10 nothing. They're looking to go up 13 or 17 to nothing before the half. Malat gets a little bit too hyped, goes for some extra yards. Ball comes out. Yeah. Jay Woods from uh, UT Martin returns it 68 yards with 16 seconds left in the half to totally, totally change what this game looked like going into halftime. It was 10 to 7 at that point. Yeah, but and before I wasn't even nervous before that at any fumble, point. Yeah, even before that fumble, though, it it was just such a weird part of the game because the UT Martin went for this super long field goal, a 58 yard field goal when the winds were like a million miles an hour. With that wind, it. yeah. Yeah, Montana State gets the ball back. I kind of assume that nothing's going to happen. Like, this is the end of the half. The offense isn't good enough to move the ball down the field. The offense is such a joke. They're just going to have to, like, run the clock out, going to halftime up 10 nothing, be happy with it. But that fumble, I mean, it, it was it, – if I were a Cap fan, I would have been nervous. It was horrible. Yeah. I wasn't nervous in the second half because the defense had shut down UT Martin all day. Just yes. like the defense basically shut down the Grizz all game uh, before that. They had shut down UT Martin. Like, there was no worry about them moving the ball at all. And so there wasn't any nervousness. It was just kind of annoyance. Like, you're like, it would have been really cool to be up 17 nothing. so I didn't really have to, like, even pay attention to really the second half and just kind of do some other things around the house while it's on. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, it was annoying that it had to come back from halftime and actually, like, be vested in this game at, thir- at 10 to 7. That kind of sucked. It was, it was more, but like I said, it was more annoyance than nervousness. Uh, third quarter, the Cats do only get a field goal from Glessner to go up 13-7, to which any field goal in this in that wind in Bozeman on Saturday was pretty impressive. Uh, and then Malak comes in and and does what exactly what they wanted him to do and what he's been doing really all year when getting the shot. He gets that 73-yard run where he outruns every single player on UT Martin, makes a great cut uh, to get outside, runs down the sideline, makes another great move to stay in bounds when, some, when a defender goes for his legs. Scores that touchdown, puts the Cats up nineteen to seven. The field goals, the extra point is missed, so it's nine, like it stayed. Like I said, it stayed nineteen to seven. That was when you knew the game was over with UT Martin's offense and the Cats' defense. It was over, and then Isaiah Fonse, who really looked so much healthier than he did yes. in that Cat Grizz game, comes in, puts the nail in the coffin with a seventeen-yard run. Fonse had one hundred and seventy-six on the game to go with Tommy Malott's one hundred and eighty yards. So when you have your leading rushers at one hundred and eighty and one hundred and seventy-six. You're probably going to win that game. Uh, and they did. And it was just a typical Cats game from years past. And it's kind of sad to be back in that position, but it's also like you're just so used to it now that, you know, you just kind of accept it and hope yeah. that this defense keeps playing lights out like they have been. It's kind of like you, you know, you went out on your own, failed miserably, had to move back into your parents' house, your old bedroom. It's not great. It's not where you necessarily want it to be, but it is comfortable. You know it well. It's something that you've had yeah. for years and years it's true. of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel, yeah, you're like, I know this. This isn't, this isn't something new. <laughs> I know this. Yeah. Okay. This is, I know where everything this is. is really, it was really weird when we had a quarterback that threw the ball around the field earlier this year. That was weird. That was uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what it's much- like when a quarterback drops back and you think it might be an interception every single time? I don't want that. I just want people to run it. I don't want it to ever go in the air. That Monday night football game last night was exactly what I want. Four passes, everything on the ground. That's Montana yep. State football. 
That is my, no matter the weather, that is Montana State football. How much? How much of um, touchdown Tommy's lack of box score in the passing column was because of the wind, and how much of it is they don't want him throwing the ball? Like I don't. He's he's a he was a dominant high school player, double A player of the year. Um, he can obviously throw the ball, but why isn't he like what what? Give us your diagnosis, Nate, on what is going on with with his passing abilities. I mean, I think you just have to. I mean, there's there's the obvious where he's thrown four passes in his call it collegiate career, and that's. I mean, you're not playing against state of Montana DBs and safeties like you were in high school yeah. in AA. You're playing against you know. I mean, it's UT Martin, but they're Division One football players, and so I think there's that where one the Cats weren't going to put him. You know, Vegan and Housewright weren't going to put him in a position where he was going to throw picks. You know what I mean? Like there was not going to be any of these difficult passes that's going to take some time to learn and to have that experience in division one football to complete. There were a lot of short passes, a lot of quick ones. They didn't go his way, but it was also breezy. It was also 40 degree, 50 degree gusts. And we saw last night, like I was talking about in that Monday night football game between the Patriots and bills, like they weren't passing the ball when it was like that. It's hard to expect a guy like Tommy Malott to come in, throw the ball when it's blustery like that in his first start against his, I mean, throwing the ball first time against division one defenses too. So I think the catchers didn't put him in the position to probably make an impact through the air when they knew that they were going to have, they were going to be able to move the ball on the ground. Yep. Um, okay. So how are you feeling about this week? And do you have any well, other wanna, thoughts from, well, from I do maybe. a little, a little deep dive um, from, Oh, good. Uh, from a Twitter. patented deep dive. Uh, so yeah. A, a deep dive. Yes. The Montana state Bobcats defense has only allowed one touchdown over the last 10 quarters of gameplay, only three touchdowns in the last 15 quarters of gameplay and only four touchdowns in the last five games total. So this Bobcat defense right now is playing lights out and you could tell that UT Martin was feeling that they had 112 yards through the air, only 66 on the ground. Uh, they absolutely dominated them on the defensive end. And it's a, you know, another great showing by this Bobcats defense that we know is, top of the FCS kind of defense. And it's another game that they won for Montana state. And they allowed um, them to put in a freshman quarterback in his first start and, and come away with a win in the round of 16, which is, which is pretty awesome to be able to, to, to be able to lean on a defense like that to get yeah. your team to the, to the elite eight. Yeah. Watch. I mean, it was so the wind in that game was so strange. The camera, it, it, it looking at watching the Grizz game stadium, under the lights, two teams that knew each other. The announcers didn't know anything about the two teams, but it just seemed like a professional production. The Bobcat game just seemed very dreary. Um, it, <laughs> just a, a windy, cloudy day game. A windy, cloudy game. Whenever they showed the crowd, no one seemed like happy to be there. They were happy to be at the game, but they were not happy that they were sitting outside in a million mile an hour winds. Um, Hats off to all of them who stuck it out through that game because that would be a that would be a tough tough game to sit. Through. Yeah, the only benefit there I believe would be that if you were just randomly tuning into a game and you were like maybe someday wanting to move to Bozeman, Montana, like you're an out of state and <laughs> watching a game, you're like, nah, I'm good. Like that looks <laughs> yeah. really shitty. Yeah, we need us we need to play. I mean, those. they we they would pan out and you could see the mountains, mountains, but if you. Yeah, if you didn't have the mountains in like any of those shots, I don't think that would have been a destination for people to move to. It looked like a very dreary day in Bozeman. Yeah, that's how it is a lot of the time. Any other games from the from a 
uh, this weekend that you want to talk about? Um, how was oh, the fog? Uh, well, game? very quickly, I want to uh, the fog. So I was I hit on a lot of my predictions last week. Probably two of the most important ones, knowing that the Grizz were going to dominate, and knowing that Tommy Mallott was going to start, and Matt McKay was never going to play another stat for my football team. Um, I was wrong on the fog game. So all weekend long, <laughs> you were so, so I played golf. I played golf on Friday and. Literally, if you hit the ball past 100 yards, which I did a lot because I hit it a long way, obviously, um, you couldn't see the ball. You had no idea where the ball was going. It was low-hanging fog. It was going to be the fog game that I had been calling all week. The fog lifted a little bit on Saturday. Lifted a little bit on Saturday. I think it was a little foggier in my area than it was in Sacramento. Uh, So I did miss on that fog game. The announcers did mention fog twice. They said they had some (laughs) overcast skies and a little bit of fog, but it did not become the fog game that I had thought that Sacramento State and South Dakota State. So that was a miss. That was a miss. We'll never, we will never top that. Was it Sac State versus the Eastern? It was, uh, no, it was Davis versus, uh, Davis versus Eastern. Yeah. We'll never top that. That was, we'll never top that one. Um, so, not only did I miss the fog game, I had also said that South Dakota State was going to win by 14 plus points. Mm-hmm. And that one was looking really good. It was 24 yes. nothing and a half. South Dakota State was absolutely manhandling. 24-3 Oh, sorry. 24 it was 24 to nothing at one point, then 24 to 3. Sac State scored like 19 straight points to make that one actually a game. Yeah. Um so I missed on that prediction, but I was I was right on. And I think South Dakota State started resting on their laurels a little bit. They didn't want to. They were everything in moderation. They didn't want to score all their points in this game against Sac State, um, which you have to respect. You have to respect that sportsmanship and that sure. moderation that they showed. Yeah, because uh, that game could have been seventy to nothing really easily. So I missed on that one. I apologize if anybody uh, bet that game. South Dakota State minus seven. Because uh, that one looked like a sure shot, and then all of a sudden, Sac State like, actually showed some playoff life, unlike the last, you know, last year or the 2019 playoffs. So that was the only other game I really wanted to mention from the obviously from the Big Sky because that was the only other Big Sky team. But I was 0 for 2 in that one. I apologize for everybody getting excited for the Fog game, and I also apologize uh, for getting that one wrong, saying that South Dakota State was going to win by 14 plus. Yeah, no, I mean it, that's the only game. You know, it's funny five Big Sky teams get into the playoffs. Um, and only two are left. It's the two Montana schools. Only two are hats left. off, hats yep. off to us. Hats off to the state. Um, yeah, and okay. so you know, so we we go to the, if we go to the Cats game first, which we will. Sam Houston, Sam Houston State, Montana State's heading down to Huntsville, Texas, to take on Sam Houston State, and I'm going to be the first one. And here's my first prediction of the week. Not even prediction, but just what I'm going to say. Sam Houston State is the fakest number one football team to yes. ever top the FCS polls. I mean, ever, ever. Yeah. They won the fake. This is not a number one. And they've been riding high ever since. Yeah. They're riding a reputation of a fake championship in 2020 when nobody worth a damn was playing besides North Dakota state who they did beat. But Sam Houston this year, can I just run through really quickly their wins? They're undefeated. I will give them that they're undefeated, but against whom is what I ask. The only one I remember. NAU. NAU. Yeah, Northern cool. Arizona. Great win. Cool. Cool win. We all did that. That's nothing new. <laughs> Southeast Missouri. Nah. Who cares? Sure. Central Arkansas. Maybe like that one. I don't even know. Central Arkansas at the time was one and three, so I don't think it was that big of a deal. Cool win. Yeah. Okay. Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin. Mm, I don't like him. 
They were okay. eight and four on the year. This is great content. Yes. Not a great win. Now it's now I'm going with emotion. Then but then we get to Lamar. They beat Lamar. Lamar okay. almost lost to Northern Colorado. Let's yes. not forget that. We remember. Their next win, Jacksonville State, a five and six team. Their next one, Tarleton State, a fake FCS team. Their next one, Dixie State. They suck. We just every single team in the Big Sky beat their asses. Yeah. Their next one, Eastern Kentucky Colonels. They ended up seven hmm. four, so that's not a horrible loss, I suppose. The next one, I don't even know, Abilene Christian. <laughs> One in five in conference. Big win for Sam Houston on that one. Mm-hmm. And then they almost, in their first playoff game, lose to the University of Incarnate Word Cardinals. Yes. They come Our- away with a seven-point victory after you after Incarnate Word could not score from the one-inch line. That was a crazy game. Um, did you watch yeah. most of that? It was, I mean... It, no. I was watching that more than I was watching the cat game. And it seemed at times that incarnate word was going to come away with the win. I wish they would. Uh, I really do wish they would have, but and because the cats would have had a home game, which would have been sick. But I mean, I'm looking at this Sam Houston. They, I mean, Lamar was own six on the year. Dixie state. I'm sorry. was one and nine on the year. Dixie state was one and 10. Tarleton was six and five. Abilene Christian was five and six. Jacksonville state was five and six. Central Arkansas was five and six. They played three teams with a winning record Two. I'm sorry. Two teams with a winning record this year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, in the Sagarin rankings, they are ranked 85 Montana ranked 84. Um, so by the transitive yep. property, I'm guessing the score will probably be around 29, 10 uh, Sam Houston. State. <laughs> Well, luckily, we have a new quarterback at the helm, so you can't use the transitive property. Got it. I mean, yeah. If you look at the Sagarin yeah. ratings for their for their um, their whole conference, I mean, it's it is bottom of the barrel, God right? Awful. You got Lamar, Dixie State are in the two hundreds. Tarleton State is one eighty eight. Um, you know, comparing it to uh, the Big Sky Conference, so you have Sam Houston State, Stephen F. Austin. 85, 133. The next is at 147. By comparison, that would be, that would put you somewhere between Davis and Portland State. And that's your third best team in the conference. So, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty easy schedule. Um, I love the confidence. I love, you know, I love, love, love the pick of Bobcats beating Sam Houston State. Montana Parlay is going to be at the game. Find him. He will buy you a beer. Montana Parlay at the game. Just hit him up on Twitter. If you're a cat fan, he'll buy you a beer outside or after the game somewhere. Um, but yeah, dude. So if you're, uh, but if you're a, let's hear, if let's you're a Grizz fan thoughts. and you, which you are, well, if yeah, you, of course. you are a Grizz fan. So say the Grizz are going in against number one, Sam Houston state. Are you excited that this is the number one, like any other year, this is North Dakota state and you get your ass yeah. kicked. Oh, Everybody gets their ass kicked. Of course. How excited is, would you be as a fan that you get to go in and play the number one team and it's Sam Houston state and not North Dakota state? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. Um, I am. It's amazing. To go into this game against the number one seed, the way the Cats have been playing, and to be a a six-and-a-half-point underdog is absolutely fantastic. You could not have scripted it any better as an eight seed in this tournament to get Sam Houston in this round. Yeah, of course. There's not another team I'd want to play in this. Yeah, North Dakota State is 40, 48 in the the Sagarin race. Yes. Um, Yeah, the only other team I'd want to play right now would be Eastern Tennessee. Is it Eastern Tennessee State? 
Yes. Whoever's like some shit team from over on the East Coast or in Tennessee. Is Tennessee considered the East Coast? No. <laughs> no. I, don't, I think it's the South. What do you consider it? Appalachia? Yeah, I'd consider it the South, I guess. Where like West Virginia would probably be mid-Atlantic. Tennessee would be the South. Huh. The northern part of the I just south. Picture, I picture it all. I picture it all just being east coast. Yeah, it's like people. Do you have to be on the coast. Montana, east coast. coast. Yeah. Um, North Dakota State, forty-eight. That puts them a couple spots above Nebraska, uh, ahead of um, University of Texas San Antonio, ahead of Cal. I mean, yeah, North Dakota State is the team you want to avoid. Um, it does. So yeah, and it's, it's it is Eastern Ten- It is Eastern Tennessee State. That would be the only other team I'd want to play in this round. They're going to get absolutely shit-canned by North Dakota State. I wouldn't want to play the Grizz right now or James Madison or South Dakota State. I don't really know much about Villanova, but they almost lost to Holy Cross. So I think the, the, best, the teams that got the best two matchups in this round are Montana State going against Sam Houston and South Dakota State going against Villanova. I think that side of the bracket definitely got the easier yeah. round so oh, far. It's a, yeah, it's such a weird, weird setup. So Montana State going into Sam Houston State on the road. They're five-and-a-half-point underdogs. Um which I, it's a pretty nice line for Montana State that, you know, signals it's going to be a competitive game. Um, compared to the South Dakota State-Villanova game, South Dakota State, again, on the road because they were not seeded, going to Villanova, they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, so poor Villanova. That's a, that's a pretty bad draw for them, too. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a, does this feel like we're getting we're, – we're destined for a South Dakota State, North Dakota State championship? I'm too, I'm too concerned with where Tennessee is at right now to, to worry about the playoffs. Okay. I would have been so, in Nashville before. So uh-huh. I think that's why thought, I didn't think that you Tennessee You thought you were on the south. East Coast. Well, the funny thing was I thought I was going to be in the Eastern time zone, but I believe Nashville is Central time zone. So I was really confused by that. Yeah. No, I didn't know. And this may, I may get made fun of for this, but I did not know that the Southern border of Tennessee uh, bordered Alabama, nor Georgia, nor Mississippi. Yeah. That is embarrassing. Didn't you go to private school? I thought, I honestly thought Tennessee, I thought Tennessee was like above Kentucky or like next (laughs) to Kentucky. Interesting. Oh boy. Oh boy! I know. Um, once I get, once you get me east of that Mississippi River, though, everything tends to blend in. Like I was in South Bend, and I had no idea that's like Ohio was that close to Indiana. They border. Yeah. They're actually border states. So if you and Google, I didn't know Kentucky was under Indiana. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. Like if you would have someone had been like someone had been like, hey, I'm standing in Indiana. Which way would I look at Kentucky? I would have looked east. I would not have looked south. It's so confusing when you get over there. I know. Well, it's confusing to you. Um, if you Google, is Tennessee the East Coast? There's no results that talk about this, which means you might be <laughs> the only person who ever, ever thought this. There is something that says it's also considered, it looks like it's largely considered the South. There's some that considered Appalachia. Um, so, so I got the Appalachia, right? Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like that should count for something after I just made an ass of myself not really knowing my eastern you, half of the United States geography. Yeah, we'll give you a bonus point, but you failed the exam. And Chattanooga is basically Chattanooga is basically in Georgia. Yeah, it's a big state that has cities covering its entire geographic area. Interesting. 
Mm-hmm. East Coast is always just interesting to me. I mean, I know that Tennessee is not considered East Coast, but then I like well, to look at the Carolinas. Do you? It's just such a weird area. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> I do now. Um, That's in, yeah, just crazy borders, when you get over there, how close everything is. Yeah, it borders an East Coast state, right? It borders. Yeah, that's what I kind of meant. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's on the it's on the western edge of East Coast. Yeah, I think it's firmly in the South. Just a weird state. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a, you know, when you're driving down in the country and like you see old homestead houses or barns and stuff, and the wind has made them shift. Like they look like they're slanted houses. That's what yeah. Tennessee looks like, like a wind blown prairie home <laughs> without a it's roof, like a wind blown uh, Kansas. Yeah, it's a, it is like a wind blown Kansas. That's a <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Interesting. Uh, see, no, there you go. I hope there's other people out there that didn't really know the whole geography of Tennessee because you know um, when you get out when you when you're out here in Montana on the West Coast and stuff like the East Coast doesn't really matter, and yeah. so when you see it and when you really take a deep dive into the states on the East Coast, it is crazy where they're located. Because in my mind, they're located all in different spots. Yeah, should I put up a Twitter poll to see is East, is Tennessee considered East Coast or are you willing to concede? Not many people probably have that opinion. I'm I'm willing to concede that not many people will have that opinion, but I'm not willing to concede that it's not East Coast. Okay. All right. Like, do you consider Nevada East Coast or West Coast? Nevada? Well, it's definitely not. No. I consider that like the – I consider it the Southwest, right, with Arizona, New Mexico. Okay. Because okay. it's kind of the same situation where it borders a West Coast state, but it doesn't really have – any yeah. qualities I mean, that would put it into a region like desert. Do you consider America? Idaho, Idaho to be the West Coast? It's the same. I mean, it's not as far west as Nevada. <laughs> There's a big difference. Yeah. Um, proximity uh, to the water. You mm-hmm. could get to the water in a day from Nevada. Idaho would probably take you a while because you're driving across uh, Oregon. And sure. Washington. If you go north, you'll hit the Arctic Ocean eventually. It's bicoastal. Yeah. <laughs> if you think I mean, about it well, geography was one of my favorite subjects in school and uh, are you sure maybe world geography was more my thing i can name like every country <laughs> yeah. on the eastern block of europe that okay that broke up from yeah all right that's impressive you want me to do it um oh i thought you were asking me to do it it starts well, with estonia it. yeah okay estonia it. latvia lithuania belarus ukraine moldova mm-hmm. georgia There's an A. There's one that starts with an A. Albania? Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan? Yeah. Azerbaijan, Turkey. No, Kazakhstan, Turkey? No. No, no, no. No. Why don't you... The first part was 100% correct. Yes, you nailed it. The first part was 100% correct. Then I got to Turkey, and it's weird at that point. The stands are not in Eastern Europe. That's what I thought, too. I was thinking the same thing. There's no way... Because they're over... They're a little bit more... Yeah. I was thinking the same thing in my head, <laughs> but I just couldn't think of anything else to start with an A. What uh, what region? What region do you consider Montana? That's a good question because sometimes I don't think of it as Midwest, but there's a lot of Midwest valleys. But it's also really not. I don't consider it really Pacific Northwest until maybe you get west of Missoula. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think so. It is kind of it's always on the fringe. Um, I feel like 
you know, until the the region of the Rocky Mountain West was invented, that Montana was, was didn't have a home, right? Like the Midwest, Northwest, neither was really a good fit. Um, but Rocky yeah. Mountain, Rocky Mountain region, Rocky Mountain West seems perfect. Because like, eh, how else? Like Wyoming, Colorado, they're not Midwest either. Idaho. Yeah. It's hard. Let's just own those It's just a really, yeah. it's a weird nowhere. There's a hard line at the Dakota border, and we are in a different region. And it's Armenia. By the way, Azerbaijan is right next to Armenia and south of Georgia. Nice. The country. But not, not Kazakhstan, which was... No, I said Turkmenistan. Did I say Kazakhstan? And you said one of the stands. They're all in Central Asia. Yeah, they sure are. But either way, I got the first part. Six, right? Yeah, you nailed it. Actually, the first seven. First seven. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So there's my redeeming Um, geography of the day, knowing the Eastern Bloc. I love it. Really good, really good facts. And this is going to be useful for everyone watching the games this weekend. Oh, yeah. Back to Sam Houston State. (laughs) Um, uh, Some history on Sam Houston State. Founded in 1879. Third oldest public university in the state of Texas. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's named for Sam Houston, who made his home in the city and was buried there. I don't know much about Sam Houston. He wasn't a president or anything like that. Uh, it's an oak-studded rural main campus. Sits on 316 mm. acres in the central area of Huntsville, Texas. Uh, it features a planetarium, an observatory, a body farm, uh, and an 18-hole golf course named the Raven's Nest. Uh, the mall area of the main campus includes Blatchley Bell Tower and clock, and also a fountain. Okay. That sounds beautiful. So that's our campus tour, much like uh, Eastern Tennessee. No word on if this one was easy to walk or not, if it is someplace that you do not need a car. That one did not make this Wikipedia page. I um, see. Have you ever seen the movie The Life of David Gale? Uh, no. Me neither. Okay, so we'll skip that stat. Or we'll skip that uh, one. Well, Let me look through really on- quick. Based it was a Sam set. It, it was it was set in on Sam Houston's campus. Okay. A lot more notable alumni than uh, Eastern Tennessee, or I'm sorry, UT Martin, who we played last <laughs> week. Yeah. Um, uh, Shay Serrano, author. Sure. Went to Sam course. Houston State. One of a great author. Uh, Dan Rather was from Sam Houston State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh McNown, Sam Houston State. Oh yeah. Um, so there's more of them, but they're, none of them are that cool. Yeah. Same thing when you get to James Madison. There's a big list of names where I don't know a, who a lot of these people are. Great for them for having a, their own Wikipedia page. Yeah. So before we get I had James Madison's Wikipedia page up first, but we have to finalize this Cat Sam Houston game. Okay. Yeah. And we, should we both I looked up zero stats? Yeah, I've looked up zero stats on Sam Houston. It looks like their defense isn't anything to shake a stick at. Um, and you're off. Carter Word, the Carter Word did throw for 481 yards and five touchdowns, and only ran. I'm sorry, that was their quarterback. He threw for 481 yards and five touchdowns. They had um, 119 rushing yards was all for Carter Word. So maybe not playing into Montana State's strengths uh, in this particular moment. Maybe Sam Houston a little bit better against the run. Uh, than they are against the pass, which doesn't, you know, like I said, line up. I did, I did make a small prediction. It wasn't even a prediction. It was like a what if. What if Montana State just totally throws a curveball and starts Tucker Rovig in this game? 
Um, yes. They've been they've been prepping for Tommy Malott this whole week, and they're like <laughs> they throw Tucker Rovig in there just yeah. to really screw with them. New game plan. We're throwing the ball all over this Bearcats defense. Um, that's a more of a pipe dream, maybe, or just a wish. And then we have Tommy come in, and we, we do that two-quarterback system that Sac State did that really worked well for them uh, <laughs> as they sit at home this uh, this weekend. But um, I'm going to predict a Montana State upset. I'm doing it. Okay. Going out on that Dude. limb, predicting the Montana State upset by three over Sam Houston on the road. Then, after that happens... I am banking on South Dakota State to beat Villanova. Okay. And we are going to have one more home game. Bobcats Bozeman This year. Bobcats will be hosting South Dakota State on January 17th or 18th on ESPN or ESPN2 or the ESPN family of networks. I love it. So what? give me, give me a score prediction. So Bobcats by three, what's the final score? 18 to 15. 18 to 15. It ha- it's going to have to be a game like that. I don't think the Bobcats can score a lot of points, but I'm joining you on the Bobcat on the Bobcat upset train. I'm going to go 10-6. Bobcats wow, win the game. That Bobcats defense, man. 10-6. Um, and so you, on the line, you have this. You also have a bonus pick um, with the South Dakota State game. Yeah. I mean, they're yep. favored. It's a parlay. Pr- it's a parlay. Probably going to win. Yeah. Um, okay. Should we get to Montana, so, uh, James Madison, or do you so got one more fact? One more little. It's not a fact. It's more of a, okay. just a heads up on Sagarin. The Sagarin has South Dakota. Obviously, I'm sorry, South Dakota. Sam Houston State as the favorite uh, uh-huh. over Montana State. 68% uh, odds there uh, for That's Sam Houston nothing. State. That is nothing. So. Compared to South Dakota State, that has a 74% chance to beat um, Villanova, according to Sagarin. So there you go. I like it. Um, All right, man. Did we we cover Sam Houston State and Montana State so so well right there? Yes. I cannot believe Um, we we zagged that far onto geography. Yeah, everyone everyone is pretty excited um, about that. And people learn a lot, you know. We, we give a lot of very intelligent and useful sports facts. Um, we also can inform you about the world, about the nation, uh, when it comes to the, yeah. the borders of our states and countries. So thanks, Nate, to that. Uh, moving to, to James Madison. Uh, so, uh, you know, look, Grizz are underdogs going into this game, but I have some breaking news that makes me feel a little bit better. Are you ready for this? Oh, Moments ago. Moments ago. We're, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Moments ago, James Madison, for the first time in their school's history, beat the University of Virginia in basketball. That is a lot of mojo going towards the basketball team of James Madison, the athletic department. You have to wonder, are they sucking up all the mojo for the football team this weekend? I would have to say no, that it's going to carry its way into the... Friday night game. I believe they are going to be riding a high on that James mm. Madison campus. It is a week to remember. So you think the party can continue Harris from a Tuesday to a Friday? Yeah. Uh, I've tried it before. It can with enough, you know, with enough uh, drive. Yeah. Yeah. So one downside of this game, um, and it's happened a few times the Grizz have come out east um, to the real 
to the actual East Coast. Um, but I live in Washington, <laughs> D.C. It's only like an hour, so that is hour, hour and a half, two-hour drive. Um, uh, I'm not able to go to the game on Friday because I'm going to be traveling That's a brutal, for a brutal. That's a brutal turn of events. It's really so disappointing because I knew this wedding was on the horizon, but when I was looking at the when the uh, games came out, when the bracket came out, like I wasn't thinking about it. So I was like, "Oh, this is perfect. If the Grizz get this one win, I can go see them." There's going to be a ton. I know a lot of Montanans going down for the game. It's going to be a ton of folks in the crowd. The the university's having a, a tailgate outside. Like it's going to be a good scene for a Grizz fan. Um, but I unfortunately won't be there. I will be on a boat. Um, for a welcome reception. Hopefully the boat doesn't Ouch. go too out far out to sea so I can uh, stream the game on my phone. Um, Usually those don't. Usually those boats, those little ones, they don't go too far out. I think you'll yeah, still be able I'm to see the land. Just hugs. I'm confident. Yeah. I'm confident that you'll have service. I won't be, yeah, you're right. I hope it just hugs the coastline. Hugs the coast, goes up and down. Um, and I hope you're not trying to jinx my ability to watch the game because that would be very rude. I would never. I didn't try to jinx the Grizz game last week either, so... Uh, I keep getting accused of it, but I don't appreciate it. And I don't appreciate okay. it. So w- who would you rather face? Sam Houston, the number one seed, or James Madison? 100% Sam Houston. I think James Madison's a better team than Sam Houston. North Dakota State's a better team than Sam Houston. I think South Dakota State's a better team than Sam Houston. The Cats definitely had the better draw at that eight seed getting Sam Houston here than the Grizz do getting to play James Madison, who in the Sagarin rankings 74. are... 74, which puts yeah. them of the ilk of University of Alabama, Birmingham, Missouri, Maryland, Boston College, Western Michigan, TCU. Tulsa. So they're, be- yeah, they're better than, you know, Sagarin wise, a lot of teams in the FBS. Yeah. 10 away from, 10 away from Montana. So, you know, fairly evenly matched there. Um, one thing I did was go through their schedule um, for the year um, was yeah, look Much at like again, I did. yeah. It, it yeah. Saw a lot of you know a lot of um, unimpressive teams. I was like, oh, who who are these jokers? They beat Weber State by two touchdowns. Like Weber State's not. But good who didn't? Year. Except for Eastern um, Washington. <laughs> but then I was looking at the scores. So I just saw like the WWW against the teams. Um, then I started to look at the scores. They blew these teams out. Um, James Madison had a lot of big wins on the schedule. Their only loss came uh, at Villanova, um, one point one point loss at home. Um, but they they have some big wins here, and it makes me, you know, again, I'm going to be nervous for every Grizz game going forward for my entire life. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's going to be a tough game. Um, the grid. Oh God, I just lost the page. The line opened at like. Six and a half. I think it's gotten up to eight. Yeah. Do you have the line handy? I don't. Um, I can pull it up really quick. This wasn't, my, this wasn't my game to preview, so I didn't have a lot of notes on it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's minus seven right now. The over under at 45 and a half. Got it. So, I mean, that's... That's yeah, just me listen, doing research for your game. I appreciate it. Yeah, the line is now seven. So Grizz are seven point underdogs going into this, which is, you know, again, uh, a fair... That that's not seven point underdogs win all the time. Um, I would imagine that I think it looks like Sagarin gives James Madison a sixty one percent chance of winning this game. Um, yeah, a little better than a coin flip. So we're in this. Um, the Grizz have looked very good against two good mm-hmm. teams the past two weeks. Right, dominated the ranked Bobcats. 
Um, Their special teams and defense has played really, really well the last Yeah, the offense capitalized on the opportunities presented to them. Uh, Eastern Washington pulled away like I haven't seen them do in a very long time. Uh, against a good team last weekend. So I think I feel like the Grizz have some real momentum going behind them. We proudly don't watch any other FCS games. Um, so we don't know a lot about these teams. I can't pretend to have a good feel of what um, uh, James Madison's win over Delaware meant earlier this Big season. Um, but, you know, they are they're a solid team. I'm very nervous. Uh, if you want a detailed preview... Go to uh, the Grizz fan pod, but I want to read a detailed and biased opinion. I should say detailed and unbiased, wonderful opinion. Um, Let me pull this up. So the Grizz fan pod posted a a three hour episode last night. So some James, the one thing about James Madison is they do have good, uh, good fans. Uh, They have a good, they are. They do have a following, which is super fun to play against. Um, and, shit talk. and that means, which we're not used to really, is that they have their own message board. Um, they have uh, fans that like get hyped up for games. And so they listened to the Grizz fan pod last night. Someone did a detailed analysis. Um, and here are some highlights that they posted on Twitter. This is them summarizing what they think the Grizz fan pod thinks of JMU. Um, if JMU played in the big sky, they'd have one win uh, versus Weber. Uh, Montana's defensive pressure is next level. That's why nobody has ever beaten Montana. They blitz 15 guys each play, filling all the gaps. Um, every quarterback spends the entire game running for his life. JMU is slow. They looked extra slow against Southeast Louisiana. Um, JMU's offensive line is made up of high school players. It'll be surprising if any of them make it to halftime. Um, and that's about it. it. Goes there's This is a big paragraph of text, but... Um, well, you know, the Grizz fan pod and most Grizz fans are flying pretty high right now. Like I said, there's a lot of them that say the RTD has already come true and they're going to have to find a new hashtag next year. Um, <laughs> and a lot what of that's a little be? bit spot on. You know, they're getting a little little high on the horse. Those last two wins, one of them, granted, was against the Cats, which is going to give you the bragging rights for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, special teams matches up a little bit better against James Madison. James Madison, not the dumpster fire that is Eastern Washington uh, special teams. I looked it up on the stats. They're better. Um, therefore, this game will be closer because the Grizz special teams has been the thing keeping them in the game, winning the games for them, basically. Handing touchdowns to Cam Humphrey and their running backs on a silver platter. Uh, but this game's going to be a little bit different, I think, the way James Madison is going to play this Grizz special teams unit. Yeah, I'm excited to see James Madison's kicker, Ethan Ratke. A really good picture of him online. Um, he is the NCAA's all-time leader in career field goals and scoring by a kicker. Check that out. Yeah. So make you thought down I was joking. To, it may come down to Money Macias versus Ethan Ratke. Um, punting matchup. Um, it's seven point. Seven points spread in the game. The over-under that I have on my app is 45 points. So they're essentially saying, what would that final score be? Do some I, can't, so I can't do it that fast. 24, uh, 28, 23. 28, 23. Well, no. that's 51. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're not doing the math on here. Um, 23, yeah, 18? Check out, no. Check out the Grizzly. That's again five points. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 19 to 26. I think I nailed it. 
Okay, 1926. Yeah, I think that's right. 1926. Yeah, Um, yeah, so look, in my head, teams like North Dakota State, James Madison, South Dakota State um, are just on another level. And that, you know, once you run into them in the playoffs, it's what we've been conditioned as Montana, Montana State fans. Once you run into these teams in the playoffs, it's kind of game over. Um, But let's let's turn that around. Uh, I'm feeling... I'm feeling nervous, but I'm feeling like this Grizz team has some real momentum behind it. I don't think they're going to be scared to face this team. They've already beat University of Washington this year. They've beat Eastern Washington. Great team. Yeah. Yeah. Beat Montana State. Really the only, I mean, the only loss that wasn't avenged on on their schedule was against Sac State, the Big Sky Conference champion Sac State. So I think the Grizz are going to have some swag going into this game. They need to score quickly like they did. Um, against Montana State, against Eastern Washington. Uh, but I will predict the Grizz win this thing 26 to 19. They flip the spread. <laughs> He's just going right on the fucking line. Um, just a heads up James Madison is only nine spots behind Washington in the Sagarin ratings. So while that was a great FBS win for the Grizz, uh, that Washington won, you know. Well, so we've already beat a team. We've already beat a team on this level. Washington's actually ranked behind South Dakota State, North Dakota State. North, um, South Dakota State is scary. I would not like. Yeah, they're really good. I, that's why I'm. That's why I said like I, before you went on your geography thing. I feel like we are if the Cats and the Grizz don't make the championship, which we both believe they will. Um, but if they mm-hmm. don't, it seems like we're destined for a North Dakota State South Dakota State championship game. I agree with you that Sam Houston State isn't um, all they're cracked up to be. Um, that number one seed. A lot of that is is baked in is the spring season, winning that, holding the number one seed, and then just running the table on a shitty schedule. So yeah, the cats could have the cats maybe maybe could have secured that number one seed with a cat grizz win. There was a <laughs> shot that they get that one seed, and wow. But yeah, um, James Madison, just a little bit uh, of history there in Harrisonburg, uh, Virginia. Yeah, Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, yeah. It is named after who you think it is. James Madison, the fourth president of the United States, also known as the father of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Situated in the Shenandoah Valley, just west of the Massatinetan Mountain. I think that's how you Great. say it. Great. Yep. Um, beautiful campus, apparently. Uh, two original buildings um, on the campus were Jackson and Maury Halls. There's 148 buildings on the campus now, and it has become Virginia's second most photographed location on social media sites like Instagram and Twitter. Right after, right after King's Dominion, which I have no idea what King's Dominion is. It's an amusement uh, park. The, it's a Six Flags. King's Dominion is the number one Instagram's like an amusement park is the number one. It well, is it's probably it's the number not one like the spot in Virginia. The background, but there's probably a lot of teenagers that go to the amusement park and then post about it. Oh, so this campus is divided into five. <laughs> Bluestone, oh. Hillside, Lakeside, Skyline, and Village. This does not sound like a walkable campus. No. When you have Man. to divide it into five sections, yeah. you're not walking to any of those sections. I've been telling high school seniors all week about the, the campus that they got at UT Martin. You can walk to any <laughs> building from your dorm, which is just incredible. It looks like a really pretty campus, though. Like, when you look at it's it, very it's a very campus. nice campus. They have a very nice stadium. Uh, one side looks like Washington Grizzly. The other side looks like uh, the one non-Skybox part of the Montana State Stadium. So it's yeah. kind of like a hybrid between the two. They do get a lot of great fans uh, and a lot of 
This, this game is probably going to be packed, which is going to be cool to see another atmosphere in the FCS playoffs with a packed uh, stadium. So I think that's going to be add to a lot of the fun of watching this game. Um, yeah. Also, James Madison just beat South Louisiana last week, fifty-nine to twenty. It was ten to fourteen after the first quarter, and then the game ended fifty-nine to twenty. So that shows you when they get terrible. on a roll, they can get on a roll. Terrible, terrible uniforms by Southeast. Oh Louisiana. God! So I I mentioned that to you today because I think there are South the uh, Southeast Louisiana's quarterback I think was on the Peyton watch I think something like that anyway I saw their uniforms on Instagram I texted you and said my god the southeast Louisiana and if you remember it's the Skechers helmet yes Skechers helmet and you told me what do their uniforms look like I think they look like if CMR's uniforms had sex with Sacramento State's uniforms yeah which if you can put that in your mind it's not a very pretty sight it's horrible ugliest uniforms I've ever ever seen so, um, one, so I, one bone to pick with James Madison. Um, if you go to their famous it. alumni page on Wikipedia, there's hundreds of names listed. You need to have it. Granted, a lot of these people have Wikipedia pages noteworthy in whatever fields they're in. You need to have like a, a top tier at the, you have to have some of kind of list. threshold. Yeah, or you can have all of them, but just up top, you're like, here's like the eight names you're looking for. And then here's... Here's the ones you're actually going to want to see. Yeah. Yeah, here's Because they have their... Else. Like, usually the notable alumni are going to be on the main Wikipedia page of the university. They have their own page. This one has its own Wikipedia page, which shows that it's far too many. A lot of politics and government there, too, probably because it's on the East Coast, close to our nation's capital, I would assume. Um, yeah, there's way too many. Way too yeah. many to go through. John Paul Lee, the founder and CEO of Tavalon T. Maybe he'll be at the game. Biggest name um, from the podcasting world, of course, PFT commenter is a JMU uh, alum. Um, So maybe he'll be at the game. I doubt it, but uh, he never really talks about JMU on the show other than threatening um, the conference when JMU announced they were going to go up and the conference banned them from like postseason or conference tournaments or something. Um, but when does JMU go up two seasons? Well, funny. That's a, that's a, um, uh, similarity between Sam Houston and James Madison. Yeah. Both of them are moving up. Sam Houston's going up to conference USA in the 23, yes. 24 season. Yep. James Madison. I'm on the notable alumni page. So it's, I wasn't in the right spot there. James Madison will be leaving for FBS. Come on, 20, no later than twenty twenty three. They're going to the Sun Belt. No so later than July first, twenty twenty three. Conference USA. Okay, there we go. So both of these teams are moving up to that. We say good riddance. Glad we're going to get. Uh, you know, the Cats are going to get to beat Sam Houston uh, in these playoffs, and um, glad that JMU is going to go out on top with a with a win over these RTD Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the what is the Bobcats hashtag this year? Uh, True Blue Twenty Two is when they get a recruit. Mm. Man, it's all pretty lame. I can't remember. There's another one out there, but you know, it's funny that you asked that because I had a conversation with somebody about that exact thing. Choats was you know TRC the right cat. I don't mind True Blue Twenty Two. Mm-hmm. Vegan has a way different Instagram game than Choate. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Vegan is one GIF every single time. It's a camera 
going in on the M on the mountain and it says true blue 22 <laughs> chotes were like boom. And then like trains and like all these things. It was wild. The difference in their personality shows in their Twitter game. Jeff Chote loves social media. Loves yeah. it. Never forget the Brett Jeff vegan. Chote. Jeff Chote banned us, blocked us on Twitter. <laughs> Jeff Chote blocked he us did. on Twitter for saying Jeff Chote looks like a guy who drinks IPAs, even though he doesn't like IPAs. Blocked us on Twitter. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, I feel do you think, like well, Brett Vegan doesn't want to look at, doesn't know about how Twitter works. I really honestly think Vegan is just like, yeah, um, he's like every, it's a, it's he's a like cool, every other it's a cool program. Old it's a cool man. program. Yeah, it's a cool program that we'll use it. Uh, he supports it. He doesn't get it for recruiting. Yeah, my team likes it, but uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be. I think it's a, it's a great medium. Yes, um, he definitely doesn't. Direct have quote it from Brett Vegan. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's using the desktop version of Twitter, 100%. Um, do you think Jeff Choate is on the Texas coaching uh, squad next year? Is Sark going to keep his job? I don't know if Sarkeesian is going to keep his know. job even. I don't know. But Isn't it interesting? I thought you were going to ask this question. How close do you think Jeff Choate is following this Bobcats playoff run, considering, one, it's his former team, and two, his son is on the team? Oh, he's definitely following it. I forgot his son was on the team. Yeah, he's definitely following yeah. it. Uh, but I do Another think I said note, this next last year, episode, both coaches' sons will be on the team. Oh, boy. Brett Vegan's son just committed, I think, two weeks ago after Cat Grizz. So it's going to be Choate and Vegan on the same team. Interesting, interesting uh, dynamic. Interesting. Um, I do strongly believe that Jeff Choate was happy the Cats lost the the brawl because there's he, probably something inside his of legend. That is. Yes. He probably True, called it, does. Son. it actually does. Yeah. Um, consoled his son, but no, he, I think he's definitely happy about that. Um, all right. If you want an in-depth look at the JMU Grizz game, of course, check out the Grizz fan pod. They had three hours out this week, um, breaking it down, going over the Eastern game. So check them out. The number one podcast in the state of Montana. Um, anything else that we want to talk about? We've been going, we try to go about an hour. We're getting up to about hour, 20 minutes. Anything else on your mind? Their hot take. The mascot for James Madison is Duke Dog. Duke Dog. It's a good mascot. And that's not a bad name. And the Bearcats mascot is... Oh, God, I just had it. Now I'm going to have to find that again. Anyway, one little small thing. The Bearcats Mm -hmm. had a male and female mascot, and then they retired the female mascot like 30 years ago, which seems backwards, um, especially these days in terms of uh, Title IX. I'm surprised they got rid of the female mascot when they did. Interesting. I'd love to know the story behind that. Um, yeah, why? Why did well, she get asked? Why? We need uh, we need a score prediction for you out of the Montana JMU game. Oh, it's Sammy the Bearcat. Okay. And it used to, and then there was Samantha the Bearcat. Oh, interesting. And then, the, then they got then they got rid of Samantha. Okay. And confirmed Sammy is a male, or is it just kind of ambiguous? Maybe that's what they did. They went to like an Aaron Aaron kind of thing. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, score prediction, UMJMU. James Madison, 28. U of M, 18. Got it. All right. Well, we got him. Scores locked down. Uh, don't forget, Montana Parlay will be at the MSU-Sam Houston State game. Look for him. He's going to get there late, but he said that he'd buy you some beers. 
uh, if they have him in the stadium or after the game, just see where see where he's at. Follow him on Twitter. Hit him up for a free beer. Um, anything else we need to cover? I think that's that. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention: uh, the Bobcat loss to uh, Northern Colorado was on uh, bad oh, beats. Yeah. Did the you the did you watch one. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Right? I actually was watching the game and. Uh, Bad loss, shitty loss, but yeah, I did see the I did see the Scott Van Pelt segment. Yeah, it was like a three minute uh, segment about yeah. that game where they talked about both campuses and where they're at, Greeley and Bozeman and all these other candidates. It was hilarious. It was yeah, just a, it's also, a fantastic like, segment no matter what. But that was a great yeah. Game. And Northern Colorado looked like cool in that segment. Like it looked like there's good fans there. It looked like a good like good game, good crowd. It was good, good for the stadium. Big Sky. Yeah, compared to compared to. Uh, their football stadium, which does not look Division One ready, it looked like an awesome, awesome. It's atmosphere. hard to not look Division One ready in ba- on like a basketball one, though. Uh, like all you got to do is State. put stands on both sides, you know. Oh, by the way, I didn't get to go to that Sac State game because they flexed that um, for the football game, so that sucked. So I didn't get to go watch the Cats beat Sac State. Um, but but yeah, the the nest is awesome, by the way. So people who talk crap about Sac State's gym, it's fantastic. It's the best place to watch basketball in the Big Sky. Okay. Oh, well, for the one thing for the uh-huh. Idaho uh, for the Idaho fans who seem to be continually rooting against the Cats, uh, Brian. There's a Sagarin for basketball also on uh, Sagarin, obviously. And yeah. well, there's also our Ken friends Pond. over at there's Kevin, but I I only trust Sagarin for all okay. of my ranking needs. Idaho, out of 358 basketball teams ranked on Sagarin in Division One. Idaho, number 349. Oh, God. Putting them with programs like Incarnate Word, IUPUI, um, Alabama A&M, even, They're even State. worse. Even worse than the Ken Palm rankings. They're 352 out of 358. Jeez, what is going on over there? They don't have a football coach. They have a brand new arena yeah. and have one of the worst teams in Division Two. I hope they get some we good are, concerts there. Sorry, Idaho on a few levels is trending in the right direction. I feel like they're like you can't um, tank in college, but like they are bottoming out. They have a new arena. They're getting a new coach. They have a great fan base. Like they could turn this thing around. Did you also see speaking of basketball that Weaver State got some top twenty-five votes? Did not see that. That's really cool. Yeah. So, congrats to them. I think. I saw their guys tweeting about it. Um, I want to say it was the first time since like 2004 a Big Sky team got any top 25 votes. So they're 103 awesome. in the Sagarins. They're 103 in the Sagarins. So a little bit better than Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I think that that I is should, all I, I should have. Be better at that East Coast. I should be better at East Coast geography. My girlfriend went to USC Upstate, and I only uh, say that because I noticed that they're 335 in the Sagarins. So I should have had a better <laughs> idea that Tennessee wasn't on the, on the East coast just from, from her telling me probably that at some point. Um, yeah. Or just so like again, it goes back to that geography. Yeah. Yeah. But even when you look at the map, you, you forget after you look at it and then you just assume everything on the East coast is on like the same longitude line. You assume that. Yes. 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 Yeah, I do. I did until today. Mm-hmm. This one, I, this one seems seared into my memory, I think, a little bit better. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. The Kentucky I mean, being south of Indiana thing will never make sense to me. Ever. You thought it was... Even if I lived in Kentucky. You thought Kentucky was west? East, east, east. 
east of Indiana. So like maybe would... like two states east of Indiana. Interesting. So like where Pennsylvania is. Yes, I'm thinking Kentucky is basically Pennsylvania, 100%. Like or like Ohio. I mean it's 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 just south of Ohio, right? Well, it's, it's exactly south of Indiana and Ohio. It's a very long state as well. Yeah. Mm. But I would never I'm that's still never going to make sense to me. I love it. Well, got all I think Kentucky is probably what I think of Virginia. I think Kentucky is probably what I think Virginia and West Virginia are, like combined. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Also, I noticed that Harrisonburg uh-huh. is on the western side of Virginia, close to West Virginia. I saw something on Twitter. You know that song, um, Country Roads Take Me Home? Yeah. Where that, that like everybody screams that one part and they're like, West Virginia. Uh, I heard that that's for the western part of Virginia and not actually the state of West Virginia. <laughs> I've never heard that. I would love that. I would love that. I'll I was try and confirm Virginia. it for the next podcast next week because that would be hilarious if a whole state just took a, a song. Few, and Yeah, a few months ago, and I can tell you, everyone in the bar was proudly singing the chorus to that song. So if that's actually true, the news has not got to the good people of West Virginia. <laughs> which, I could, which I could see that happening. Um, <laughs> we'll try and confirm that before the next pod, but I thought that was a really good uh, trivia to end this podcast on. Yeah, well, hopefully... It might be fake trivia, so there you go. Fingers crossed. We're both going into a weekend. Two wins. Grizzer on ESPN2 Friday night. Um, I will be on a boat watching it, not in James <laughs> Madison. Uh, but anyone anyone who's coming out to the game, enjoy it. Um, cause, and man. Montana State's at Montana State 6.30 on Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. Ugh. I'm not going to watch that. be able to watch that either. What are you going to be on this time? I'll be at the actual wedding. So I'll stream both the games. On Actually, it's a better chance of watching the Montana State game than the U of M game if you get too far off that East Coast. Yes. East Coast, I'm assuming, yes. or is it a lake? Uh, it's off Where of are you going? Florida. Oh, Florida. Yeah. I think I ignored you when you said that, which I apologize. I don't know if I, I said it, but no, we'll be uh, go. So we'll be, yeah, we're in the Gulf east side or side ocean side? The East ocean Coast side. of Florida. Yeah. The East Coast of Florida. We're in Fort, yeah. Fort Lauderdale. Got it. And wish us luck. We'll have fun. Yes, I good will. luck in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there you got it. We're going to the uh, round of eight this week, hopefully. Uh, well, we will definitely be back for a podcast next week, you know, wrapping up these games yeah. and seeing what we're going to get to talk about in the future. So uh, we'll let everybody go with that. Uh, exactly. I would encourage everybody. One hour, 30 minute mark. You have 20 seconds. Yeah. I would encourage everybody um, to try to pinpoint the exact moment in this episode where Nate and I's research ran out. Because it's pretty yeah. obvious. <laughs> you can do it. Hit us up on this Twitter. Is, and thanks this for was, listening. I don't even think we talked about the Montana State Sam Houston game. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have hope you guys have a great week, and we will see you next week. And just have a, have a just have a great time watching these games. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna leave it at that. Goodbye, everybody. Please take me back. Just take me back to that time of innocence. Lay down with me, but keep it clean so the sea